1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, regular guest on the show, Lucas Kaplan. Lucas, Nets squeezed out the W, 119-118. How are we feeling?
2: Oh, man, pretty uh, pretty jittery after that one. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was, hey, man, it's January. You know, we might as well at least be entertained. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot a of good way stuff, to put it. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that goes on around this team is... Sort of not that entertaining, not that fun. It's nice that it's nice to watch a game that's just straight-up fun. Yeah, it was fun,
1: especially in the first half. The net scored 74, only 45 in the second half. But like you said, it, it was right down to the wire. I felt a little nervous at the end, too, just because, like, ah, no, you don't want another one of these bad losses. But we're going to jump into that and plenty more. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Lucas, what do you think was the biggest difference between the first half and the second half? Obviously, offensive explosion in half one. Second half got really stagnant, especially towards the end.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the offense. If you just look at the raw defensive numbers, it honestly wasn't that different half to half. Um, I do feel like some stagnant offensive possessions in the second half kind of let the Wizards get out and run a little bit more. In the second half, you know, I don't really feel like the Wizards made more shots, really because in a game when you're up like 12, 15, 16 and a team makes a comeback, a lot of the time it's like, oh damn, they're hitting open threes, they're hitting some tough shots. It didn't really feel like that, you know. It felt like they were hitting shots at the same rate. Although I will say the Nets could do a better job just tightening the screws on defense, you know, slips, yep, yep. communication. But offensively, um it's hard to say this because and this is not the only reason the offense suffered, I think. But when you put LaMarcus Aldridge in, you know, for that last 7-8 like, he's getting buckets, he's doing his thing on the block, but I just feel like the offense slows down and yep. it's just more stagnant when you don't have that threat of the rim runner. And I'm not trying to bash him here, because, you know, we all love what he's doing offensively, but it just it just felt, everything just felt more difficult at the end of the game. And again, that wasn't the only reason, but it felt like a big part of it.
1: Yeah, I think that with the combination of kind of, you know, trying to run out the shot clock, you're getting him the post-touch a couple times, like, very late, and it's like, it's LaMarcus Aldridge, it's not Kevin Durant. He has to kind of work into his move, where if it's like KD, you know, he's shooting that over everybody, he feels pretty comfortable. But LaMarcus was no good in this one in terms of scoring. You know, he felt like he didn't miss in the first half, finished the game with 27 points, 11 of 15 from the field, five of five from the free throw line, six rebounds, three assists, two blocks. And, you know, there was good offense, but like you said, got a little slow at the end. Defensively, we know what he brings. I thought in this game, he actually
2: looked a little bit more spry than some of the previous matchups. I was I'm still so shocked by how he's moving and like yes he's you know upper 30s big dude had injuries and you that shows up a lot of the time but just how quick his footwork is you know his little spins his little maneuvers to catch a ball or ward off a defender or or even block some of these shots I just I don't think anybody could have anticipated him moving this well especially
1: considering what he moved like at the end of san antonio you know he was he wasn't really playing a lot of minutes he didn't really look super motivated obviously getting on a championship team and then obviously you know having the scare of needing to be retired kind of gives you that extra boost but overall like his offensive pop in the first half was great and gave the nets what they needed and obviously he provides you some floor spacing the rolling is where it's kind of not an option. It's more of that pick and pop, especially with the comparison of what we're seeing with just having De'Ron Sharp, who's not a super polished NBA big by any standard, but you give Harden three shooters,
2: one roller, he's going to probably turn into a bucket or a good shot. Exactly. Um, I do agree with your point on Aldridge about, I remember a couple of possessions, they just got him the ball in the post. You know, the shot clock was already in the red, less than five seconds. That is not conducive to helping him score i mean if you're going to post him up if you're going to commit to that you got to commit to that and at least give him the ball with 12 seconds 10 seconds something like that especially
1: Um, sorry to cut you off lucas
2: when you don't need to find a
1: mismatch it's there's a mismatch every single buddy on the floor so if you're going to post him up just go post him up
2: he was getting buckets on you know whoever i don't really think there's a difference between kuzma guarding him and montrez harrell you know Mm -hmm. similar size i don't really I don't think it's worth the six, seven seconds that it takes to hunt that switch. Yep. Um, And in general, it wasn't just Aldridge. There were too many possessions where they just bled the clock until 12 seconds. As I'll say, till the end of time, probably you get flashbacks to the Milwaukee series. Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, and obviously it was a lot of Harden. Like, there was a lot of stagnant possessions from James Harden. That's just something that happens. You know, I thought for him in this game, 18 points, 7-21, 0-5 from 3, 4-6 on the free throw line, 8 rebounds, 9 assists, 8 turnovers. The refs definitely didn't favor him in this game, but you still like the fact he was trying to attack, get in there, but there was just a couple possessions where maybe he was trying to do too much, and his finishing at the rim sometimes is still kind of confusing. Like, there was a good look he had late in the fourth quarter where it was a little off balance, but the Harden we've seen over the last couple of years, that's a bucket.
2: Right. I agree. I think it's, that's sort of, that's sort of more the natural decline that we've been seeing since pre-bubble. Yeah. just, he's losing a little bit of pop lift around the rim and it, his, his dry, his numbers on like explosive finishes, you know, from the perimeter to the rim are probably going to be steadily declining, you know, nothing crazy, but that uh, b ball index just had a tweet the other day. He's 10th in the league and they're getting to the rim metric. Yep. But he only has, I think, a D-plus in finishing at the rim. And, you know, per James Harden, classic James Harden, is not a D-plus finisher. Yeah. So it shows up in that way, too. But honestly, I thought he played well, man. I uh, At least better than the numbers suggest. Um, the eight turnovers is really tough. Uh, but, you know, some of those, I think, were iffy calls. I mean, he really dictated every single possession when he's out there on the court and again this is not october november harden like he's getting by guys again not at peak levels but with more regularity
1: yeah he's still getting in the pain it felt like he had just a lot of possessions in there and like you said you know that one reversal that was just kind of crazy to me i felt like uh oh. he was fouled three or four times in that play like and we didn't even really get the true reason on why they reversed it and I, we saw Harden kind of arguing with the one ref early in the game because it felt like he was just not getting calls, and that's going to happen. I do appreciate the fact, though, he still looked to get to the rim and get to the paint, where times in the past we've seen him take, you know, 13 step backs rather than kind of try to get in there.
2: There, there were five from three. He's going to take – Harden is he's going to go 5 oh, oh if he's missing him. That just is what it is. Yep. Um. But, man, some of the passing in the first half, especially while Bayron was on the court, just unbelievable stuff.
1: Yeah, he had uh, that dime, too, at the end of the half to Bruce Brown, just kind of capitalizing on that possession. You know, hey, that's the type of stuff to get Bruce Brown involved a little bit, who, you know, had some okay moments in this game. But still, to me, it's just at a rhythm, four points, one or three from the field, two or three from the free throw line, three rebounds, one assist. I don't think he was bad defensively, but it wasn't like, oh, super impactful Bruce Brown.
2: No, I mean, it's, you know, the Nets and hamstrings, who knows if it's just him being out of the lineup or in the lineup less consistently since the hamstring, but he was really on like all defense sort of level, you know, top 20, probably at least top, you know, upper echelon guard defender in the league before that hamstring. And it felt like, man, the new rules, you know, embracing physicality a little more was really helping him out. And It just has not been at that level since he returned from the injury for who knows what reason. And um, again, it's, you know, Aldridge posting up and him cutting sort of around the paint has its moments for sure. Again, it's just not as the, the system, the roster, more so the roster is just not as conducive to him this year.
1: Yeah, and obviously the floater's been less consistent. You know, it's just like before, if you're hitting him on that cut, he can kind of take it right onto the free throw line. Now it's just it feels like it's all over the place in terms of how high he's shooting the floater. Sometimes it feels like it's as high as the backboard. Other times it's like more of a normal level. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully Bruce gets back in rhythm, but I, I'm not saying I have much confidence at this point in time. I think with Bembry being out for this extended little period gives him that opportunity, but he hasn't really done enough where you're like, yeah, we need to get this guy minutes. And talking about another guy I thought played good defense, especially for a rookie, Kessler Edwards, five points, two of four from the field, one of two from three, four rebounds, three steals, zero blocks, one turnover. This felt like one of those games where he was going to get zero points, but still have a really good game. Ended up scoring in this one. But overall,
2: how are you feeling about Kess? Oh, I'm feeling so great about Kess. Probably the net I'm happiest about right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Kess... And the five points were a big three and uh, a little one dribble pull up. And again, you know, sort of like I've been preaching with Kessler. He's not going to be a very dynamic inside the arc guy, but just 6'8", his body type, his vertical pop, he just needs those one dribble pull ups, those, you know, two dribble floaters. Um, And I think we're seeing like if Kessler is going to attack a closeout and get into a 12, 13, 14 foot pull up that's, I'm good with that shot. And I like that he's taking it. And I love that he's taking it in big moments because there's no guarantee you get a better look than that. And yes, the defense just as good of a job as you can do on Beal, you know, there are some rookie moments where he reaches in, but even then the three steals, I remember two sort of digs on the ball that were really accurate and well-timed. He was getting over screen so well. I think that's been the most impressive part of his one-on-one defense to me or his point of attack defense and that he's such a big guy wide shoulders big target to screen and yet he's mastered that sort of I step up and slither around the screen sort of thing
1: for a rookie, he really embraces physicality. Like, he's not scared for contact. I, I, I know you put out something, I think, about his screening, too. You know, he's just, like, willing to accept that contact, where a lot of rookies at times are just kind of timid. Like, they're going against grown men. You know, this is 20-year-old 20 yeah. guy, 21 years old. Like... You're going against somebody who's 30 fully built. So credit to him. And like you said, defensively, he just made it really tough. Like he's his contests really impact offensive players. Like you see guys contest. It doesn't really matter. Like when he contests somebody, it feels like they're due for a miss. And also, like you said, with the steals, just that extra length and activity defensively, you know, a couple of times, I think in the first half he got caught maybe overhelping, but Mm -hmm. that's also kind of a result of the on-ball defense from everyone else
2: sucking yep it's a result of that and also the classic rookie like i'm kind of steel hunting i'm fully turning my head toward the ball and losing my man and like every rookie i've watched this year and in the past struggles with that to some extent like when i wrote about herb jones who's been the best you know perimeter rookie defender i've seen in like a while or you know mobley there's a bunch of guys but herb jones just being incredible that was also his main area of struggle he'd get relocated on and so for that reason it's not definitely not a long-term worry for me. I mean, he's going to have his rookie moments, but I think we can pretty fairly say this guy is a distinctly positive impact defender, and I don't see any reason why that would change.
1: Yeah, and I think offensively, he's even getting maybe more respect from guys. Like He's not getting those open threes that he was getting the first couple games. Like Guys are sticking with him, and he's creating space. And it obviously in the first half drastically impacted the offense because a lot of the time they had four shooters on the floor. You know, it was like similar to what we saw last season rather than some of this bad offense we've saw earlier in the year.
2: Yeah. And like the big, the huge pull up too that he hit, he's not getting that unless a guy is flying at him on a closeout. Um, sometimes I even think he could be a little bit more aggressive. I hope hitting a big shot like that gives him confidence. Sometimes I just personally feel like he has space to attack. He has an angle and he doesn't always take it. Um, again, these are just, you know, sort of minor areas of improvement for him, but You know, young player hitting that shot in a big situation, you hope he's maybe even a little bit more aggressive, but uh, by no means is he a negative offensive player. I mean, I think we're just in agreement that the numbers may not always pop out, especially in this sort of role, but you do not mind having him on the court, you know, offensively.
1: It's crazy that a month ago, we are talking about, you know, we need to get Kessler Edwards on the floor. Steve Nash doesn't play him. Now he started the last couple games. He's played big minutes. Tonight he played 36. I think in the last one he played like 36 or 37. It's just like, oh. it, he re, Steve Nash is realizing like three and D and more is just something we need, especially the athleticism and the extra bonuses he brings. So, like you said, really happy with the way he's played. Also,
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and The Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami,
1: really happy with the way Daron Sharp has played, you know, 14 points, five or six on the field, four or four from the free throw line, six rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block. And it's a guy I wasn't super hyped about. Like I thought maybe if he was going to be impactful, it was going to be next season, but to fill in and give solid
2: minutes, first half wasn't great. Third quarter, he popped off. How are you feeling on Sharp? That was the best game I've seen from him. The best stretch. I'm in the process. You know, I, I keep saying this, but uh, trying to write something on him or at least do a look at him is sort of what I've done with Claxton and, Kessler so far this year and my the thing he struggles with most I would say is just consistent technique and positioning and drop defense and in a way it feels almost unfair because he's great touch great rebounding instincts especially offensively good decision maker you trust him at the line and unfortunately his biggest area of growth is sort of the most important thing the Nets need from their big right now just because in the you know modern NBA, you're going to be defending 80 pick and rolls a game. Yep. But I thought today was his best game in terms of that. There were still moments, but I counted many times where he split too well and he went up vertically. Um, the vertical pop on just his jumping and leaping ability sort of limits him as a finisher, and I think that showed up a couple times. You know, he could have had an end one dunk that he missed in the first half, but he's not a bad athlete. You know, he's very quick laterally on the ground. His little hop step move creates space. Really impressed with him. And again, someone I wasn't as gung-ho on as Kessler for sure, even Cam to an extent. But if he keeps improving this drastically, the Nets are going to have, you know, a tough decision to make in terms of playing him big minutes. I mean, let's say all the big men are healthy. Would you really want him out of the rotation right now? Yeah, especially with the energy, I think, especially with like, you know,
1: some of these January, February games, you're just not that hyped up. He's a guy that can provide that. And he's also just a real role option. Obviously, Clax is kind of that he's more of a slip guy, but like he sets screens, creates space. And that's something that really sticks out. And like you said, you see the potential defensively for him to improve because a lot of it is like him making a decision instead of reacting. Like, uh, for example, on that foul, he committed in the fourth quarter. He already decided that he was going to step up instead of let Kuzma come to him a little bit. It's just like a, a little of those mistakes. Like you said, the pump fake thing is something I really need added like yesterday just because I feel like if he just throws a couple pumps in there, either getting free throws or getting an easy layup. And then yeah. two two times he was blocked. He essentially got knocked over, and then it was a five on four on the other end. Wizards end up scoring on both possessions. So it's just cleaning up some of those things, but he's a rookie. And like like you said, like I feel – He's doing better than what I expected. He's kind of lived past the hype for at least the anticipation of this season. And I think, like I said, athletically, he looks more fit than Summer League. He's moving a little bit better. Like, I had a question if he was even going to be able to, like, catch oops when I watched him in Summer League because there's a couple of times where he just couldn't get up and do it. So maybe there's some more hope for him to kind of slim down even more.
2: Definitely. And I think uh, the with three shooters on the court and specifically both corners, you know, having Uh, guys that you need to respect Um, and hard in passing the ball. There's a larger margin for error, which means that he's both a legit finisher at the rim, at least a lob target, as well as a short roll guy. Whereas Claxton, like, you know, not a good screen setter, but if he got to the rim, you knew it was a great opportunity for a lob. And then you worried about him in the short roll. And he's definitely gotten a lot better there. And it's nice to see. But with this spacing, you feel like Dayron is is scheme adaptable. You know, you trap Harden high. Well, I trust Dayron in a four on three, Um, you know, especially for a rookie. I trust him to make the right call. He had one really nice pass to, I think, Patty Mills in the corner. Yep. In the first half where he looked off, he got the defender to commit to Kyrie first. It wasn't like just a pure reaction. He was really some manipulation of the floor. And then if you go over the screen on Harden, he's going to catch a lob at the rim. So offensively, super super happy with Daron
1: yeah, and it's been huge because I think especially going to the season, we were thinking, oh, the Nets have so many bigs. Like, how's Dayron Sharp even getting the rotation? Well, you know, guys have been out. They're not playing well. You know, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap obviously hasn't been playing well, has personal reasons. Nick Claxton dealing with injury. LaMarcus, we're seeing some of the limitations. And we're just understanding his skill set and now kind of having a counter for that. So really happy for Dayron and continues to impress. But moving to Kyrie Irving, who put on a show in the first half, 30 points, 13 of 23 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3 two or two from the free throw line, three rebounds, seven assists, one steal, three turnovers. It's crazy Kyrie can still score at this level with not even playing half the season and just just drop him in the NBA game. He's going to drop 20 easy.
2: And not getting to the line. I mean, it's so impressive. You just, I feel like, because again, he's still not generating a ton of rim attempts. I mean, there were more this game. He had that one huge blow by of, I think, KCP... When the Wizards cut it to one, he got to the rim, you know, right side of the backboard. Um, but when he gets to the rim more and hopefully more fouls, like tonight felt like, oh, this is a 40-point game from Kyrie. Um, this was not This was not a regular 30 points in the way that, you know, we see KD or Harden get it, and it's like 8 to 10 from the line. Um, such Such insane shot-making. I want to throw out a take I kind of developed watching the game. The lineups with both Bruce Brown and Aldridge, are better with Kyrie as the solo guard than Harden because Kyrie is a threat from literally just more spots on the floor. Yeah, I like that. I felt like,
1: honestly, like a lot of the the units with LaMarcus just played better with Kyrie. It just felt like Harden was doing better with Daron Sharp as the roller out there. And like you said, Kyrie's just more effective in terms of hitting those tough shots where Harden's still looking more so to get to the rim, shoot a step back three or set somebody else up. So I like that. I Honestly, I just don't like Kyrie. It was It's like hard to differentiate because Kyrie also is just playing better than James Harden tonight from a scoring perspective. Yep. And I feel like that also provides something. But I agree with that too is because like, I feel like you could stick Kyrie in some of the bad lineups we saw early in the season and he'd still probably score just because he doesn't necessarily need real space.
2: It's not a unique observation by any means, but he is just less he's more spacing proof.
1: Yep. Same thing for KD.
2: Yep. Yeah. It's sort of the, you know, it's almost the ceiling razor versus floor razor argument, you know, not obviously exactly. Harden can take, can make just about any offense look pretty good, even at this stage. Um, But yeah, he's, he's just more malleable and the Harden Kyrie backcourt together just still continues to rule and produce great offense when they don't Slow down, I think, and get in their head and wait until the clock is at 10 to go.
1: Yeah. When everyone touches the ball, like, you know, when you're making sure Harden gets a touch and Kyrie both get a touch on the same possession, it just feels like it's that much more effective rather than, you know, Harden dribbling it for 15 seconds. Or even Kyrie did a couple times in that fourth quarter where he was just kind of a little bit over-isolating. So I think when they get that rhythm right, and I think another guy who started to feel more incorporated with that duo was Patty Mills tonight. We saw him have 17 points, 6 of 10 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block. This is a really good Patty game. Just doing everything you need him to do
2: and it feels like he's had these games before with no Kyrie in the lineup but it felt like he really did not work too hard for those 17 points I mean he wasn't in the past we've seen him he has to set a bunch of screens and then run off a bunch of screens I feel like he just got a ton of catch and shoot catch and pump fake threes today with all the ball handling on the floor it feels more sustainable in a way because when Patty's exerting so much energy you kind of expect some down games but and obviously he'll still have some down games getting these looks but these looks you just feel are are more um are more sustainable for him to make
1: this is more of the role i think a lot of us envisioned for him in the off season when they signed him it's just kind of you know being that complimentary piece of the stars, like you're going to get so many open looks you've never even seen in your life. And we're rather in, like you said, in the first half of the season, it was just like, he had to work so much to even get an attempt, especially after teams realized like, Hey, the Nets don't have shooters other than Patty Mills and Kevin Durant, like, you know, with Joe Harris being out. So, you know, good for him. And like you said, hopefully he can maintain this a little bit easier. And I think even defensively, he was a little bit more active, just constantly trying to scrambling all over the place. He kind of brings a little bit of chaos to the team. Uh, Just touching on Cam Thomas, quiet game for him, four points, two of seven from the field, 0 of three from three, one rebound, and that's it for the stats. Did play 22 minutes. Just didn't feel like a lot of touches for Cam, or he just wasn't really in rhythm.
2: Yeah, he's such a rhythm guy, especially this early in his career. And You know, when you have Kyrie and Harden now, all this ball handling, albeit just two guys, you're also not going to really play a ton of Kyrie, Harden, and Cam lineups. Yep. Um, so his minutes are more sort of precise, and there's a little bit less of a need for just the pure shot-making ability. But he he stepped into a couple of confident threes. I feel like you can tell with him, like, he's taken catch-and-shoot threes when he's in rhythm. Um, when he's not, he's not going to really, you know, look for that shot. Uh, the defense, you know, there were some mistakes. There were some classic sort of, oh cam moments where... You just commit a silly foul or not quite be in the right place. But again, he's not bleeding points out there, which is nice. Honestly, nice to see, man. Like, no diss to him. A lot of rookie guards bleed points, especially based off of his draft report. You know
1: what I mean? A lot of us thought, you know, come first season, can he play defense? Will that be able to, you know, get on the floor with his defense? He's been good enough in those areas to get those minutes. And like you said, you know, mistakes out there. I also think some of the situations are tough for him, like when they're playing four guards and he's got a be on a big or he i think yeah. what when i see him really struggle is like he's kind of confused but what he's supposed to do when there's like chaos on the play where who who am i supposed to go to like yeah. who am i taking and then it's just kind of he's looking like all around like oh i'm kind of unsure and that's usually a struggle but that's a rookie mistake that he easily can clean up but uh lucas any other takes
2: or thoughts on this game one dinwiddie's making me kind of sad man um Just, there was one play late in the game where he came off a high ball screen. It was a good ball screen. He had a one-on-one with Aldridge, and he just pulled up from three. And as soon as you took it, as soon as he took it, I think every Nets fan just breathed a sigh of relief. It's like, okay, Dinwiddie's taking that shot. Like, we're way better at that than him attacking, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge one-on-one. I mean, no disrespect, but that should be food. And the Wizards were in the bonus at that time. At least do the Dinwiddie, like, drag your arms through and, Yeah. I just hope he gets back to form, man.
1: He just doesn't look as confident and aggressive attacking the rim. Like, there are just so many opportunities where, like, we've watched, obviously, a ton of Dinwiddie minutes where if he had that spot, he would have just been at the rim so many more times, especially looking at who the Nets were playing. Like, it didn't even really feel like he challenged De'Ron Sharp at all in this game. And Sharp obviously played okay, but it's not like he's an elite rim protector by any standard in the past. You know, back when he was leading the Nets, when everyone was hurt, it'd be like, if he saw this match, it would be an easy 30.
2: Yep. And I mean, and the other comment I have is uh, David Vanderpool. <laughs> Big play, man. Uh, I th- I like I, it definitely wasn't premeditated. I'm not excusing that. First of all, like you just you st- you can't do that as a coach. Obviously, yeah, That's a fine incoming. Oh, yeah. yeah. Deserved. But he just he was so close to the court. It looked like just the bat, the hooper in him just instinctively, like just put his hand up. That's hilarious, man. At
1: first, before I saw the replay, I thought it just, like, graced his head. Like, he was leaning too in, like, trying to yell defensively. But the fact that he just, like, tapped that, I was just like, Goddamn. Oh, God damn. But the refs were really bad. Like, both sides, tonight yeah. that, like we mentioned, the reversal thing was so weird. and
2: Like, I don't know how you miss that. Like, that's that just bad. Wild. That is, like, I know we often speak, you know, in hyperbole, but that is one of the weirdest overturned. Because most bad bad replays, the call isn't overturned. Yep. like, what do you mean that wasn't inconclusive? Like, you should overturn it. Rarely do you see a call that bad. That's actually a reversal. You know, it'd be one thing if they called it clean on the floor, but wow. Um, I just like,
1: just don't understand the reasoning. Like if they could, if they made, the only thing I could think of if they called Harden for an offensive foul, like that he pushed, but they didn't even say that. Like, and Denny smacked him on the back when he tried to go up vertically and then he caught him on both wrists. Like, I, I just, I don't really get that, but it's the, the Nets got the dub. That's all that really matters. So always a pleasure, Lucas. Big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.
4: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.